Hey there everyone, wherever you're listening to this from or watching this message from, I hope that life is treating you really great right now. We here at Liverpool One Church, we've started a brand new series called 2020 Vision. And I guess that over the duration of three to four weeks, we're asking three really specific questions because practically this can really pay dividends in our life if we can actually figure out the answers to these. Firstly, we wanna know how do you actually read the Bible? What does that actually look like? Secondly, how do we pray to God? Because I get it, we've all got our different and varied ideas about how we should pray, but what does Jesus say about that? I mean, is he not the one that we should go to to try and understand exactly how we're intentionally supposed to relate to the Father? And then thirdly and finally, we're asking the question, how to be a Christian? Meaning, what does it look like to be a Christian in your day in, day out life? Not only when you're in church, but when you're in the workplace too. So kick back and relax and enjoy this current series of talks. A few months back when we were looking forward and we were planning for January and we came up with this 2020 vision. How awesome is that? And he's absolutely right that, you know, every church on the planet seems to have had the same idea. 2020 vision is a term that we associate with eyesight. The clarity and the sharpness of your eyesight is known as 2020 vision. You know, when we're teaching you in series, we don't want to teach you just what God says. We want you to know who God is. And I really believe that during this next four weeks of church, if you dig your heels in, if you lean in, that you're going to get something out of this, something fresh and something new, something perhaps that you've not experienced before. Many of you may know church. Many of you may come to a lot of the events that we do. And many of you may um, enjoy the atmosphere and the community of people. But I believe that God wants to establish a relationship with you like you have never known before that in this uh, 2020 vision series, that we're gonna go back to some basics and hear what God wants to stay and build into your life. The phrase 2020 vision was first used by a Dutch ophthalmologist called Herman Snellen. He developed this system for measuring eyesight back in 1862. And I couldn't help wondering and thinking, especially when I looked around the planet and saw how many other churches were doing the same series or the same message title that we're doing today, I couldn't help thinking, I wonder if if 2020 vision was an expression that God dropped into the heart of man over a hundred years ago because he had already predestined that at some point in the future, at a preset time and date that had not come around yet, that 158 years into the future, in the year 2020, he wanted to speak to his church in a way he'd never spoken to his church before. What if he dropped the expression 2020 vision into the heart of man all that time ago. So when his predestined time came around, 2020 vision was an expression that we were so familiar with that we could take an 
everyday concept used in an eyesight and vision examination, and we could put it straight into a, 20, into a 21st century principle. We could put it straight into a spiritual principle and know that God was wanting to talk to us about the clarity and the sharpness of the vision for your life and for his church. 2020 vision, it means that you have three things working well. By the way, if you're one of those people that does this, you ain't got 2020 vision. I've hit that age stage in life where Solomon showed me his homework and I'm like, just back up a little bit. Let me get it into focus. You see, 2020 vision is all about clarity and sharpness. They're looking at your peripheral awareness. They're looking at your depth perception. And they're looking at your focusing ability when they test your eyes for full working vision. Now, peripheral vision is the awareness, it's what is going on around you, okay? Your central vision is used when you want to focus on something, but your peripheral vision is what allows you to be aware of what is going on around you. And when I looked up this phrase, peripheral awareness, it said that survival once depended on the quick response of our peripheral vision. Our side vision is what helps us to avoid dangers quickly. So if I'm crossing over a road, I'm going to be focused on what's ahead of me. I'm focusing on where I'm going to. But it is my peripheral awareness that is going to make me aware if there is something coming to the left or the right that I need to avoid when I'm crossing over that road. You know, I've done my life since the age of five within the local church. I've been surrounded all of my life by many faith-filled, good, godly Christian people. Amazing people, beautiful people. But most of the time, people who have lost their peripheral awareness. And the result is the church becomes a holy huddle. The church becomes a place where the Christians gather the church becomes so heavenly-minded, it is no earthly use at all. The church becomes the place that over-super-spiritualizes everything and practically does nothing because it has no peripheral awareness. We're happy to gather as Christians, shut the front door, sing come by army Lord and wait for his return. And that's what the local church has been known for and has a stigma for, lost its peripheral awareness. But Jesus himself taught us, though you are not of this world, you are in fact in this world. So I surmise that if you are in the world, you ought to know a little bit about the place that you are in. If you went on holiday to a foreign country, you would want to have an awareness of the place you were going. You would want to understand its culture. You would want to know a little bit about its language and its currency and, and, and the way the system worked over there. Well, we live in the world so we can't be the church that gathers and shuts the front door and shuts the world out. That's why we have a sign in the foyer that says about everyone and not about every Christian. We need to be aware, a little bit aware of our government. We need to be aware about what they're saying right now about Brexit or not Brexit. We don't need to know all the details, but we need to have an awareness 
We need to be aware of the NHS system and what our educational system is like. We need to be aware on finances and the handling of them. We need to be aware on what the world is saying right now about same-sex marriage and gender choice. We need to have an awareness of the food that we eat and what is good for us and what is not so good for us. Because we live in the world and therefore the world is on our peripheral vision and we need to be aware of the place that we live. If our peripheral vision in the natural is what helps us to avoid danger, then the same can be said in the spiritual. But if you are ignorant to the world around you, if you're ignorant to the world around you, how would you know what dangers to avoid? It is your peripheral awareness that is going to flag things up in your life that you need to be aware of. You might be focusing on one area of your life, but your peripheral awareness is going to say, hey, that's a relationship that you ought not to be getting into. It's your peripheral awareness that's going to say, hey, you know what, actually that's money that you ought not to be spending right now. It's your peripheral awareness that's going to flag up and say that's a conversation you should not be having and it needs to stop. We need to be aware of the things that are around us. The second thing they test you for in your 2020 vision eyesight test is your depth perception. Now, your depth perception is what allows you to see three-dimensional. So when you look at a room, you don't see it flat, but you can see where the chair is positioned and the distance the chair is away from the wall. You can see how near or far an object or a person is to you. It allows you to see three-dimensional. And this works. It's amazing the research you do when you're preaching from the Word of God. You get to learn all sorts of stuff. But this happens by both of your eyes taking completely different images. One eye takes the image of something that is near to you. The other eye is taking the image of what is furthest from you. And the two images come together and allow you to see things three-dimensionally. You can perceive how near something is to you and how far away something is to you. It is called depth perception. But in the spiritual, we would call it discernment. The Bible tells us that we have two sets of eyes. We have two lots of eyesight. One is naturally what we look at through these eyes, but the other is a spiritual eyesight. One is how you see something, and the other is how God views the something you see. In every situation... We should be allowing the pictures from both sets of eyes to come together to make up one whole image, okay? If you are facing a situation and all you are looking at is at it through your natural eyes, you're only getting partial vision. And partial vision is not clear. And partial vision will cause you to stumble. And partial vision will not allow you to move forward with clarity. Partial vision. Our natural eyes see fact, but our spiritual eyes see faith. And therefore, when you're facing a situation, you need to know the facts, but you also need to know what God's view is on the situation you're facing and see it through the eyes of faith. Maybe you're starting this year with the facts of an uncertain health report. 
Maybe you're starting this year with the facts of some insurmountable bills that need to be paid. Well, partial vision will only allow you to see fact what is naturally before you. And we need to see things through our spiritual eyes also, like your two eyes come together to make one image. The spirit and the natural come together to help you to be able to see things clearly. Let me show you how this worked in the Word. There's a story in 2 Kings where Elisha the prophet is on the run from the king of Aram. And he's on the run from him because Elisha the prophet has been helping the children of Israel by telling them what God wants to do. And the Armenian king is angry. So he sends all of his forces and all of his troops to kill Elisha. Elisha is hiding in a city called Dothan. And when Elisha wakes up in the morning, him and his servant can see they are surrounded by the king's Armenian army. And, and the servant says, Elisha, we're doomed for. We're going to get slaughtered. And this is what it says in 2 Kings 6.17. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Can I tell you, it wasn't his practical eyes that the Lord opened that day, but it was his spiritual eyes. He gave him a glimpse into the heavenlies. What the young man was able to see that day is there is one whose ways are higher than the facts that are set before me. When your spiritual eyes open, you are able to see, okay, this is the fact, but I know that I serve a God whose ways are higher and greater than the facts that I see. Therefore, I'm choosing to walk by faith because I see where my help comes from. The, the fourth thing, the, the third thing that your eyesight um, testing will tell you is your focusing ability. Your focusing ability when you've got 20-20 vision is the ability to be able to look to the back of a room, to look into the distance and see with clarity, then look before you and be able to see what is right before you also. If you're one who's doing this with the glasses every five minutes, you ain't got 20-20 vision either. So your focusing ability... It, it allows you to be able to look into the distance and see what is in the distance. But then your focus can adjust very quickly and you can look at what is directly in front of you. Our focusing ability needs to be sharp and our focusing ability needs to be adjustable. We need to know what God has put right in front of us to manage today, but we also need to be aware of what is planted in our heart for the future so we can see clearly where it is that we are going. It's your ability to focus on things that are near to you and far from you. Let me give you an example. Maybe you're holding out this year for a relationship. Maybe this is the year you've decided, I'm going to find love. I have decided. Well, can I tell you, the best thing that you can do is focus on what God has put in front of you today. What has he put in front of you today? Learning to be the best version of you possible. Focus on your morals. Focus on your integrity. 
Focus on your generosity. Focus on being the best version of you. It's right in front of you today. But also look ahead. Have longevity in sight. What do you see on the horizon? What kind of a husband or a wife do you want for your life? Are they a God-honoring man or woman? Do they have the same morals? Do they have the same values as you? Because if you are aware of what is ahead of you, then you know what to avoid today. But if you cannot focus on what is ahead of you, then you will not have any plan or purpose for today and you will default and fall into anything. And so we've got to be able to focus on what is ahead and what is right in front of us. And if we can, as people can get these three components going right in our lives, then I believe that we're going to walk into this year with more clarity in our lives than ever before, that we are going to be able to achieve more personally and individually than we've ever been able to achieve in our lives before. And over the course of this series, we want to show you how to get a healthy 2020 vision for your life. We want to be able to show you how you have peripheral awareness, how you have depth perception and discernment. We want to be able to show you how to focus your life with clarity on the things of today and the things that are set in your future. So we're going to go back to basics because sometimes in church life we can get all caught up in the, in the peripheral stuff. You know, we've just come out of an amazing season. We've done Braveheart and Fuse and Christmas and the church has been one bam, full of energy. But we can be so focused on all of the energy and all of the passion and the enthusiasm, we forget to do the basics of being a Christian and walking out a Christian life. I'm looking at the world now. I think I've hit that age where I'm able to see, you know, that everything is coming back to basics. So we've done all the fast food and the KFC. We've done all the McDonald's and all the additives and all the junks. And now everyone's going vegan. Because they're all saying, actually, back to basic is healthy for you. Actually, how it was originally intended to be is what is best for you. And so I think there's just a time and a season as a church that we're coming into where God's saying, hey, back to basics. So during the next few weeks of this series, we're going to be looking at how to pray. Just, just how to pray. Because sometimes we've got a lot of words to say, but we're not actually connecting with the Father heart of God. That during this series, we're going to be looking at how to be a Christian. Because some of us are going through our life mimicking what we see everybody else do, but not having an understanding of how to walk the Christian life out ourselves. What does it look like? What does it mean? Today, I want to begin this series by answering the question, how do I read my Bible? Because I could probably say most of us have got one. If you haven't got one, we can get you one. But we've all got a Bible. But I want to have a look and say, how do I read my Bible? You know, at the outset of this new year, I promise you one thing God is not interested in. That's your New Year's resolutions. God really doesn't give a hoot about our resolutions. But I promise you what is attractive to the Father heart of God 
is the new routine that you are going to implement because routine has longevity. And if you stick at routine, it's purposeful and it produces something at the end of it. So God is attracted to our routine. And you know, one of the things that I've learned over the course of my life is that routine is one of the most important things you can establish in your life. The routine is not, it's not a leadership skill, and routine is not a personality type, but routine is actually something that we, as human beings, we actually crave. Whether you realize it or not, you actually crave routine because God is a God of order, and that's how he works, systematically and in routine. And so we crave routine. It's a necessary life skill. Any new parents will tell you, from the minute you give birth to that child, parents work diligently hard trying to implement a routine in its life because the child comes into the world and knows nothing. So the parents have to teach it routine. And that carries on right through childhood. We teach our children, look, you clean your teeth, you have a bath, you go to bed. We teach them manners. You know, you don't get something unless you say please. And when you take something, you say thank you. And we repeat the cycles every single day with our children doing the same thing over and over and over again. Till the routine becomes a natural daily habit that they pick up. Well, it is no different when it comes to reading the Word of God. I think most people would say, I'll read my Bible. But I could pretty much guarantee that you only pick it up and read it when you need something from it. I could pretty much guarantee that when there's a crisis in your life, when a problem hits your world, when you need sorting out in some way, shape or form, you'll go to your Bible and you'll pick it up and you start to read it. But that's kind of like cleaning your teeth when you've got toothache. You're trying to do the right thing just a little too late. And here's the deal. Daily reading the Word of God can prevent some of the chaos and some of the stress that comes about in your life. Reading the Word of God every day is powerful and it is potent and it has a very real physical effect on your life. I want to take you to a scripture and then I'm going to explain a little bit what this scripture is actually saying. It's found in Deuteronomy 8 and it says, he humbled you to hunger. It's talking about God and it's referring to the children of Israel. He humbled you to hunger and he fed you manna which you did not know. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In this scripture reference, manna is a supernatural food that is given by God. Manna is a type of the word of God. And God is saying to the children of Israel, I want you hungry for manna. I want you hungry. I want you to be the type of people who are hungry for my word. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be real honest with you. I do not naturally hunger for the Word of God. I don't. I know when you're like, oh, but I never woke up yesterday and thought, man, I've got to read the book of Judges. 
I just go read the book of Judges. I, I just didn't. I didn't wake up this morning craving a chunk of Leviticus before I came out the house. It's just, it's just not naturally part of what I do. I don't have a desire. Real moment? I don't have a desire to work my way through the Old Testament and learn all the bagats. The only begat I'm interested in, better have cheese and tomato in the middle, then we're all good. That's it. I don't crave the word of God, but here's the deal. Desiring the word of God is something that we have to train ourselves to do. You see, when the children of Israel walked through the wilderness, they were completely reliant upon the word of God. And God knows that when you're in your deepest, darkest hour, you become reliant on the work of God, word of God. And if we don't build up a natural daily routine of picking up the word of God and sustaining ourselves with it, God will allow us to keep going through some wilderness periods just so you keep sustaining yourself on the manner of his word. So I want to give you some things that I've learned to help me out, that have helped me out. Some things that I have learned over the last few years that have helped me to establish a routine for reading God's Word. And I believe that if you can learn this too and establish it, you're going to have your best year yet. The first piece of advice that I could give to you is make an appointment. And you're all like, what? But if you ever want to meet with somebody of any importance, you have to make an appointment, right? So if you want to meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the creator of the universe, I suggest you make an appointment. Not because he's busy, not because he might be out, but because you're more likely to keep it if you make an appointment. The more you dignify your time with the Lord, the more consistent that you will be with it. You need to give it an appointment. You need to keep that appointment and you need to give that time some focus and some dignity. The best way that I have found is to pre-decide when my time with God is going to be. And I don't know how it fits in with your routine. I always find mornings are better. And whether it's 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., whatever works for you. But make that appointment and make it a priority in your life. Like it has to become an appointment that you do not want to miss. If you had a job interview this week, it would be an appointment in your iCal. And you would make sure that you were on time. You would be prepared. You would be organized. You would not fall into that job interview not knowing what you were going to say. All disorganized and disheveled, you would be there. Well, your appointment with God needs to be like that. Daily, prioritize it. Like I've got an appointment with God. If that means going to bed earlier so that you can get up earlier, then do so. But make your appointment with God something you don't want to miss. Schedule it in. And this is another thing that I suggest. Decide how long that appointment's going to be. And I'm going to make a suggestion to you. Making a 15-minute appointment with God every single day. Just 15 minutes. 15-minute appointment with God Every single day. Any more than that, and I promise you, your mind will wander off. And if you could do 15 minutes every single day throughout the year 2020, I'll let you go to 20 minutes and 21. 15 minutes every single day. 
There is no advantage in getting all gung-ho and being like, I'm going to read the Bible through this year, and I'm going to show everybody that within two months I've done the New Testament. It's like, forget it. Because you might be able to read it with these eyes, but you won't retain it. You won't learn from it. You won't understand it. We don't keep ourselves fit and healthy by gorging on big meals. Quite often when you gorge on a big meal, you put yourself off the food you just gorged on. Quite often when you gorge on a big meal, you don't want to eat for days. It's no different with the Word of God. In fact, nutritionalists will tell you that to keep yourself fit and healthy, you eat little and you eat often. You need to take the same advice and apply it to yourself, spiritually speaking. Don't go gorging on the Word of God because you know what you'll do? You'll ruin your 15-minute routine. Now, if you've got your routine in place and you want to read more in the evening, go ahead and read more. But you stick to your plan and do 15 minutes every single morning in the Word of God because that way you eat just enough to sustain yourself, but you keep yourself hungry for tomorrow because God's got something fresh to say tomorrow. So if you gorge all in one day, you're going to miss out on what he's going to say to you tomorrow. So that is it. Make an appointment. Set a specific time. Get a Bible plan that suits you. I work through a Bible plan on the Bible app. If you've got the Bible app on your phone, we're going to talk a little bit about, more about that in a few moments. But get the Bible app on your phone. You can find a plan to suit you, a plan about your marriage, a plan about your health, about faith, about fear, about love, about forgiveness, about peace. You can find a plan to suit you. And those plans, they're so good and they're so self-explanatory and they take about 15 minutes to work through every single morning. The second thing that I would suggest to you is that you find a place. Where are you going to have your time with God? Because where you read is almost as important as what you read. You see, you cannot read the Word of God, listen up boys, my boys, in a chaotic, disorganized mess. You can't. Oh, you could read it with these eyes. But if you're wanting the Spirit of God to deposit something down on the inside of you, you need to sit in a room that is quiet and orderly. You can't expect God to put something of himself on the inside of you when you're reading his word, if you're kicking the pizza boxes out the way, climbing over the laundry and trying to move the dishes off the worktop. That ain't happened. God is the God of order. The first thing he did when he looked at the cosmos was he looked at the chaos of the cosmos and he brought order right back in the book of Genesis. And when he brought order, then he began to establish the purpose of man. But order came first. And so you know what? I'm like, my kids will tell you. Like every night before they go to bed, I'm like, you leave that living room tidy. I want the cushions on that couch. And chucking them won't do. Plump it, put it, fix it. Do the cushions right. Make sure the rug. Get the dishes out of the room. Because of a morning, not, I don't, like, my habit is, but I'm not always there. But as I get up before everybody else gets up, because I want to have my 15 minutes with God. So find a place. Find a room where there is peace and order. Prepare for your appointment. A place where there is no interruption. If you start this routine right, I promise you, you will find it's the most addictive thing you've ever done. The third thing is to create an atmosphere. 
Now, some people like absolute silence. I would fall back asleep, okay? First thing I do is I've got to have a cup of tea, and then I sit myself down. Some people like absolute silence when they're reading the Word of God, but I promise you, I would just be snoring. I find in my life that different seasons of my life, different worship songs have really, I connect with. Like the lyrics mean so much to me in that season of life. And so I find that when that certain worship song comes on, I know that I'm just ready to connect with God. I'm like, I'm hungry for it. I'm there. I'm ready. And so I tend to put my go-to worship song on. Some of you may find, well, you know what? Then I start singing along to the song and I can't concentrate on what I'm reading. Well, you know, there's plenty of albums out there. You can get them on Spotify, Hillsong, Bethel. They all do albums, music with no words. So you can have this. Or you could hire Sammy to come and camp out in your favorite room in your house. She, you know, I'm sure she'd take a fee and just tinker away in the background. And you just set that atmosphere. You just have that moment. Just the atmosphere is everything. Even Elijah, when he wanted to prophesy, he called for a musician first. He was asked to give the word of the, God, the, word of the Lord. Saul wanted him to, to read the word of the Lord. Tell me what God is saying in this moment. And he said, bring me a musician first. Because music helps create the atmosphere. What translation of the Bible you read, that also helps you to create the right atmosphere when you're reading the Bible. If you don't speak to one another in these and thous and those and thats, don't read in these and thous and those and thats. Do yourself a favor. Read in a way, sorry camera, read in a way that is understandable to you. I love the Passion Translation. I just love the way that it is written. I love the way that it phrases things. You can get the Passion Translation in the New Testament, and it's got um, Proverbs in there and the Psalms in there, and it's beautifully scripted. If I'm studying, if I'm bringing something to teach to you guys, I nearly always use the New Living Translation because it explains things so well. And that's the other beauty of having your Bible on your phone is that you can download any translation immediately. But if you get a Bible from us, we will always give you the New Living Translation. When you've got your Bible on your phone, also it means that you can do that Bible reading plan, whether you're in the office on your lunch break, whether you're on the bus, whether you're on the train, it's at your fingertips and you can do it. But the most important thing is that you have 15 minutes completely uninterrupted. Not 50 minutes. And here's the downside to doing it on your phone. You can have 14 text messages pinging through and your WhatsApp notifications going off. That's not 15 minutes uninterrupted. So you download your Bible plan and then you put your phone into aeroplane mode so no one can get to you. And then you focus for those 15 minutes. Plan what you read systematically. There may be times when you read your Bible or you're reading from your Bible app and you're like, I don't understand what I'm reading. I really don't, I don't understand it. Can I encourage you? Please keep going. Keep on reading. Don't skip the bits you don't understand. Otherwise, you'll have an unhealthy diet. You'll only ever eat the bits and read the bits that you understand and that you like. But you've got to have your broccoli and your carrots in there also. And so sometimes you're going to read from the Bible and you're going to be like, I really, I just don't get this. Well, don't skip it. Don't miss it. Because you know what? 
I don't understand how my body digests food, but I keep eating. But I have no idea how my body processes and how my digestive system works and what on earth goes on in there. But I know to keep this body alive, I've got to keep eating. So eating, I keep on doing. And it's the same as you. You've got to keep your spirit alive, so just keep eating. Every single day, just keep digesting the Word of God. Just keep taking it in. Just keep taking it in. You don't want to know why it's so difficult to start a healthy eating plan after Christmas. It's because whatever you feed your body on, it craves. So when you've gone there in your head in the first week of January about starting a healthy fitness routine, your body's craving chocolate and puddings because for the last four weeks, that's all it's ever feasted on. So you've got to introduce new food and you've got to train it to now desire and crave new things. Well, the same way is in the spirit. If all we give ourselves is what we want, if all we read are the scriptures that stroke us and make us feel nice, we, we, if all we read, sorry, is what we feel, we'll never become what we want. So we've got to feed our spirit what we want to see in our future and not what we feel today. If you're the person who literally doesn't have a moment to sit down and do a 15-minute Bible plan like Emma, you've no idea. My feet hit the ground at five o'clock in the morning and I start running. The beauty of the Bible app also is that it will read to you. And if you've got a half-hour commute to work, you can, you can set off on your journey and you can have 15 minutes uninterrupted of someone reading the Word of God to you. Just get the Word into you. But just remember what you're doing and why you're doing it because you can't be making hand gestures to other commuters on the road when they cut you off and trying to have a download from God in the car. So we have to have 15 minutes completely uninterrupted. And the final thing is write it, say it, share it. You know, this is, a, um, this is great. Girls do it better than boys, I think. I've got notebooks all over the place, millions of them stuffed under my bed. I write everything down. But take one verse, just a small verse, every single day. Something you've read in your plan. Take a scripture from the Psalms or take a scripture from a Proverbs. Write it down and then ask God, what are you saying to me? In this verse, what are you saying to me? And I promise you, if you've got a pen and a paper and you begin to write, God will give you a revelation of what that particular verse means to you. And when you've read it, when you've learned it, share it. Text it to someone. Phone someone. Get your wife. Get your husband. Get your kids. Phone a friend. Get it on the gram. Who cares? Just encourage someone with the Word of God. Learn to be a dispensary of the Word of God and not just a container of it. Learn to give out what is being poured into you. Get it out there and encourage someone. What goes in will come out. But I know plenty of Christians who are good people, who are great people, who will give you their advice and who will help you no end. But the Word of God never comes out of their mouth because they've never learned the art of discipline and routine and putting it in. If we can develop this routine in 2020, it will impact your marriage, it will impact your health, impact your finances. I promise you that your working relationships and the atmosphere in your home will be forever changed. And this will be a year for you like absolutely no other. When you place priority over daily reading the Word of God. You know, I really hope and pray that that message spoke to you and you were able to really get something out of that. 
If you come to Liverpool One Church, why don't you check out YouTube for more similar content or find us out across all of our social media platforms at Liverpool One Church. Or maybe even if you've only ever watched us online before or maybe even out of town and out of area, why not come and visit us in person? Because we would absolutely love to welcome you to be part of the family right here at Liverpool One Church. Have a great week.